man, one voice that stands alone. I give one choice to man the throne. Stand good and take shots, give it all I got. All I got is this microphone. And we are live on Facebook, our Monday revelations with the pulp revelators. We've got Gary Skirka, Mark and Brooks Mangold, myself, Michael Valiant, um, playing the role of Petro Maximoff. <laughs> uh, since everybody can be Petro Maximoff these days, you know. Right. <laughs> um, and, and I think that's, uh, you know, what we've been starting with the last few weeks is what the world is talking about right now is uh, WandaVision. And we went through three weeks of this kind of um, strange um, sitcom universe. Then we were clued in last week or two weeks ago now uh, as to what was going on. And then this week, you know, all heck's kind of trying to start to break loose. Um, we're, we're seeing inside and outside the bubble at the same time. And uh, as everybody watched it, we had uh, Mark and Brooks, and and Brooks came up with his fifteen questions or so that he was wondering about afterwards. Was I think is just awesome. I love uh, you know when it gets your head going. So we'll turn it over to the Mangold team to see what you guys have to say. Yeah, I mean after we watched, everyone was talking about that episode after it ran. I mean I think you couldn't help but just be totally blown away at the ending. And there's obviously going to be spoilers in this episode, so fair warning anybody who's listening. If I can't imagine you found us and you're listening to this podcast and you haven't already watched WandaVision this week, but if that's the case, you might want to turn it off because we're going to go and we're going to talk about all that stuff. But yeah, after that episode ended with that huge moment at the end where Mike, as you alluded to, Pietro came to the door literally um brooks and i brooks couldn't sleep and he was we we're just talking about all the different things we we're running through theories and we thought there's still all these major questions hanging out there that's what's so awesome about this show the way they've done this is it's just led to so much conversation and discussion on the web and there's so many things that are just hanging out there so we try to tackle them as many as we could and we'll start off with the big one is pietro showing up at the end of this is that the beginning of the multiverse or is this Marvel's red herring? Or is this going to be at the beginning of the next episode? Oh, no, we didn't recast him. We just sent that guy in. How's, it, how's this going to – is this the beginning of that door opening? Or is this going to be something that they blow off and wow us with something else? I can't hear red herring without picturing um, uh, Tim Curry saying communism was just a red herring. For those of, for, for the, those of you that are Clue fans um, – and I guess my second completely off the topic thing to say is did Brooks wake you up at 1 a.m. with one of those questions? No, he's just stayed up. We, just, <laughs> we, just, we watch it about nine and then we stayed up from about 10 to probably two in the morning this time talking and theorizing and coming up That's with a awesome. list of questions. Awesome. Um, I think my personal, I, I, I don't think they're going to bust the multiverse wide open based on this but i think it's kind of opening the window a little bit um it, it may be a little of both but it doesn't seem like they do anything just willy-nilly at all like all of it seems planned and they've had even extra time to plan because of you know pandemics and whatnot so it's kind of one of those things where I, I think they're slowly opening the window especially since i mean we already know that wanda plays a part in 
the Doctor Strange movie, mm-hmm. and the Doctor Strange movie literally has multiverse in the title. So um, I'm thinking that this is just a glimpse, maybe even just a keyhole appearance into it, but we'll have to wait and see. Well, and I love, um, you know, as we're watching it, the the you know, the sword crew are watching it as as we are and the, you get the running commentary that we're all thinking like she recast pietro like she recast her brother it's a different um and then of course we know it's evan peters who has played quicksilver in all the x-men movies you know and, and with our favorite scenes of of running to to oldies music in slow motion and 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 moving things all around and um so when I saw it, it like you guys, I'm kind of I sit there and I'm like, okay, so are we going to start to see other mutants come in? Are we are we going to have mutants introduced now? You know, and so how's that going to go? Are we going to start to see some of the recasting of of some of the X Men actors coming in because there's some good ones? Um, so yeah, lots of questions. I. To that end, is it possible this high-level cameo that we've been teased? I doubt that that was this Pietro. I doubt that was Evan Phillips. Right. Is it Hugh Jackman? Is he coming in as Wolverine in this? Is it Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool? Or Michael Fassenbader as Magneto. I know um, some of our members before have discussed how they'd be curious to see if Magneto plays a part in this based on right. you know the old stories that go off they change it off and on over the years depending on who the writer is that magneto is um wanda and pietro's father um right. the fact that they're using the pietro from the x-men universe could very much be pointing potentially in that direction and with all of def- the family sitcom yeah. stuff, have they been telling us this all along that they're going to reunite the family? I mean, every, Ooh. you know, it's been a family sitcom and every one of these things is Magneto just going to round out their family and join this yeah. crew. And it that's, would a good, like, that's a good call. I, and that's the, one of the first things I thought about. I was like, man, they pulled the X-Men Pietro in. So now that that opens the window for Magneto. Because they even played up that relationship in the last last movie they were in, the, or in the first movie where they uh, they release Magneto and he's talking about how he like, you know, I forgot how the conversation is, but they're in an elevator and Magneto is talking about how he met this woman at one point, you know, a certain amount of years ago, and Pietro is like looking at him like, <laughs> you know, kind of like, sounds like my mom. So, well, and the other thing you have in here too is the age fluidity, right? The kids can kind of change their own age, we're starting to see. Yeah. And and so you could have a Magneto who was closer to age that he wouldn't have to be, you know, Ian McKellen as this older Magneto. Yeah. So who knows? But it's a great question, though, one we don't have answers, quick answers to. Um, I got to think it's more than a red herring, though, I, that, that there's something going on there. What's one word? What do you think? Yes or no? Is this real? Is this the beginning of the multiverse? Yes. All right. <laughs> I, I, I just don't think it's a coincidence that we have reports of the, the, the Sony Spider-Man and Deadpool 3 is officially coming out. Mm-hmm. And then this happens. That's fair. Yeah. Question number two. And Brooks, this is uh, the way Brooks put it, which I think is a good question. Why does Monica Rambo have no brain in this game? <laughs> <laughs> I 
I mean, they did the scan of her to check and she has no brain, right? Isn't that what, what they revealed? So what is that all about? Well, the Monica Rambo um, in the comics is the second Captain Marvel. Um, right. So my theory, take it or leave it, is that this is how we explain how she gets powers. Um, that basically her time within the Wanda universe has changed her um, irreversibly. And you even see that they, they've played up because when they mentioned Captain Marvel to her, she kind of froze up and changed the subject really quick. Yep. Because um, she was a little girl in the Captain Marvel movie. She was uh, Captain Marvel's best friend's daughter. Mm -hmm. um, and now this is that character all grown up and so I'm thinking that they're aiming towards changing her into her character Mike that, that would make total sense I mean right now the, the sense I think we all have is that Monica Rambo is more than a sword agent she's going to be I mean we know her identity within Marvel Comics. We know, um, you know, my sense is we're going somewhere. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the no brain thing, I don't know exactly, but, but, um, but yes, I, I like Gary's idea of the, the time inside the bubble changed her. I, I agree. I think whether it's gonna be that she has Whatever, whatever anomaly they I think found. I, I think I'm having a little bit of computer issues here, but yeah, you've kind of hear you fine. Audio is frozen. The um, I think we're gonna. I think we're. I think this whatever it was that showed up in that scan is gonna reveal that she has powers. I think. Or I think I agree. I think we're all on the same page with that. Okay. Uh, question number three was that Gary, you kind of brought it up when they when they there's that weird tense moment when they say something about Captain Marvel to Monica. And it, she kind of comes off like she's mad or doesn't want to hear about it. Is she mad at Captain Marvel? What's that hang up about? My theory is that it was um, because she disappeared for years and her mom died while she was gone. You know, she was close with the family and became close with the little girl. And I, I think at the end of Captain Marvel, I'd have to watch it again. But I think she promised to always kind of be around. And for all we know, she was gone that entire time from when the movie was set to the time that she came back and the final Avengers film. Makes sense to me, Mike, do you feel the same? Yeah, I, I have to go with that. I mean, you know, we know that she left and then when she comes back to you know, at the end of Captain Marvel, um, you know, and you get that tease into the Avengers where she's been gone a long time. She doesn't know about Thanos. She doesn't know. All she knows is she got the page from Nick Fury. So, having been gone, I, I would say that it's probably a, a, you know, you promised to be there and you weren't kind of yeah. hatred. You let my mom die alone type yeah. thing. Yeah. I think, I think I, I'm on this, I'm on that page as well. Um, one thing we talked about last week that we still haven't gotten any answer on, which I think is coming here to, a, is going to be coming to fruition soon. Who is the missing person that it led sword to Westview in the first place. And is that person going to be Pietro? Is that person going to be Ralph, the husband? Who is this missing person going to be? And is it going to be a major, is it going to be a person of major significance? 
Yeah, it's a good call. My first instinct was that it was going to be Agnes, but they're not able to identify her. And yeah. if, if she was the missing person, they would have her identity. Yeah, right. so I, I'm really not sure. It could be somebody that we even know of yet. The, the only person we haven't seen in that regard is Ralph. Mike, you think it's Ralph? You know, I haven't put enough, enough thought to this. Um, but you've got this, this way of being that you see everybody in there who's being who's mind controlled, right? And then you have, um, I can't think of the, the character's name who Vision kind of snaps out of it for a minute. And they're all, they're all petrified. So norm, is that Norm? Right, Maybe. right. And so my guess is somebody who's not currently there and Ralph would make sense in that respect in these, but, but who is actually Ralph, right? So that, so is it, is it somebody who's significant? I would think so. You know, I would think it's going to be somebody who is, who means something. And then I guess the next question leading off of that is how is this person significant to sword? Was it some, was it a bad guy that they were holding in a cell? Is it, I mean, they didn't just come in because the, the FBI would do that, right? If it was just a random person, Sword is involved in this with the FBI. It has to be someone somewhat significant. Well, Sword is involved in it because of what the FBI found, which is the force field that's surrounding Westview. That's that's true. That's true. They, that, that's how they ended up getting involved. But I'm still thinking that it's going to be someone who is somewhat significant as a missing person that is popped up here. I, I'm, I think that's going to be a big tell in this whole series, though, when we find and, that. Identity. And it could even be that the person who's kind of pulling everybody into this, that was the whole point. I mean, you could have this be a villain who's, who's you know, the, the whole idea is Wanda just wants to be left alone, but that's not happening. We're going to turn this into a, you know, a struggle. Absolutely. Speaking of identities, who is the aerospace engineer? I feel like that was more of a, uh, that was a pretty loaded statement there. And then she went ahead and called somebody. So who do we think that's going to be? There's a lot of rumors online about this. I have no clue on that one. So I'm open to hear some of the rumors. I haven't even read about it. Well, there's, you know, there's a lot of people think it, that it could be Reed Richards that, you know, because he's an aerospace engineer. Brooks is of the opinion it might be Blue Marvel. Nice. Oh. That it could be Blue Marvel. Dr. Brashear, yeah. Yeah, I am kind of leaning towards it because what my first thought is we have Monica back from the blip and she wouldn't she wouldn't be, have been in sword long enough. So it'd have to be somebody that she knew before the blip. And age-wise, that to me lines up with the Ironheart character. Hmm who would be, who obviously they got introduced because she's going to have her own show at some point. But it, that, but she's a, kind of a scientist person, right, Gary? I mean, you're more probably more familiar than I am with that character. Um, she was an astronaut, basically, an Air Force pilot. Um, so that would uh, le lend some credence to it potentially being um, Reed Richards because pilot, Ben Grimm's a pilot also an astronaut plus um i know people when they were talking about sword uh having grounded her from the astronaut program but still having astronauts and sponsoring people going into space i know people a lot of people were thinking that's how they're going to introduce the fantastic four so yep i i guess 
I mean, with no evidence, I can't lead anywhere, any direction or I want, but um, I would, uh, my hope is that it's Reed Richards because that would be a brilliant way to link him in. And, and we know there's a Fantastic Four movie on the horizon. Yep. And it would be really cool to get some Fantastic Four one-off appearances in some movies leading up to that. Um, right. So I'm going to, you know, just vote Reed Richards because I want it to be Reed Richards. Exactly. <laughs> and that could be a lot of fun. That feels to me like it's going to be the that's going to be answered in the post credit scene of the last episode to me. I'm feeling that we're that's when we're going to find out who that person is. Did anybody else notice the on Monica's shirt the circle logo with the sword logo in the middle of it that looked a lot like the Fantastic Four logo in this last? No, episode? I'm going to have to go back and look at that. It's my own. Concla- I don't know if they, you guys tell me what you think, but there, I, I feel like there was a blue shirt with a white circle, maybe but it had the sword logo. And I, if you replace that with a four, I think it starts to look pretty much like the fantastic four. Cool. Well, that would be really neat because, um, and Jim Lee's um, fantastic four from heroes Reborn, um, They were originally shield agents and they had that circular logo and halfway through Sue Richards flips those logos around and uses tape and makes a four. And that's where it was developed. So that would kind of be a, yeah, that would be a cool concept. Check it out. See what you guys think. I, I, I look kind of looked like it to me. I'm looking right um, now. Moving to the next question. How's how's Vision back to life? We know that we know Wanda. They made it pretty clear in this episode that she can't bring people back to life. Agnes makes right. a point of, of whether she's testing her to see if she can bring the dog back to life, but. She did. She, you know, obviously they've they've driven home how much she cares about her brother, and she couldn't bring Pietro back to life. She couldn't bring the dog back to life when that certainly would have kept the uh, idea of the perfect family going. So if she can't bring people back to life, how's Vision back to life? And and and, and that's a that's a great question. I think that's one that's going to going to determine a lot of what's going on, um, because you've also got Vision who is self aware. Everybody right. else is under this kind of ruse or spell and visions asking questions and she can't, she's not in control of him, you know? And so, so that's what he's pushing where she doesn't, and they have this kind of float up sequence where they're, they're, they're both wielding power and uh, you're like, Oh, and, and so it's not just this perfect world of this incarnated vision, just being who she wants. So I think we talked a little bit beforehand, but it seems like she has to have made a deal with someone who can create that. And, and obviously, when you're when you're going through Marvel bad guys, Mephisto, you know, I mean, the, the make a deal with the devil idea is there. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's that's a real possibility. Is it too obvious, Gary? You think it's going in a different direction, or do you think it's going to be Mephisto? Um, you mean the big bad? Yeah, or I don't or know, or how, or who brought Vision back to life? I guess I don't think that's the Vision that we know. Okay, because um, he doesn't remember anything before it, so he doesn't remember his life before that zone. And he said that in his past episode, and I know. Um, I can't remember if they quoted it as one of the um, creators in the end credits. I'd have to go back and look. And right now I'm, I'm too lazy. 
um <laughs> but uh, i did look at the monica rambo and you're right it does kind of look like the fantastic four symbol but um the um the there was a storyline in west coast avengers um where the vision as we know it was dismantled by the government and he was sitting there on the table all dismantled and uh i almost called her monica but um wanda and the uh, avengers went and retrieved him and they tried to rebuild him but he had lost his personality and he was ghostly white and it just wasn't the original vision now over the years they kind of retconned that and changed it and brought him back but i, I kind of feel like that that's a little bit of the direction that they're going in that you know this is not the vision as we knew the vision um this is the vision who's basically a product of her memories because um in the storyline vision uh wonder man wouldn't let his mind be re-imprinted to recreate the vision so they had to go based on wanda's memories right but but there is this you know they do show them her stealing the body right you know they had the body and then and then you know they come in and get it so they do have so wanda would have his body somewhere right and you've had that last week scene of him being gray with no mind stone um you know so yeah i boy it's interesting um i think about his death scene in infinity wars where he says all i feel is you you know like yeah. so there's the connection there um you know that he would give it all up and and yeah i it's going to be in, in with him being an android of course it can go in a couple different directions because yeah. you know he doesn't have to come back to life per se he could just be rebooted right. which would kind of lend itself to what gary's saying well and he defied she defied his wishes um he had left um the instructions that he didn't want to be resurrected right. right um and you know if you remember from age of ultron what gave him life was that stone so right it's almost like that was his soul and now it's gone it was destroyed yeah but you also wonder you know i know i think in in a comment a couple of weeks ago mary Bryan wondered if ultron wouldn't be somehow involved in all this right and that i mean that's not outside the realm of possibilities you know? not at all and, and vision's a weapon you know mm -hmm. i mean which which i mean he could be what the big bad is trying to get out of all of this i mean they could have used her to bring vision back to life to use him as a weapon which is certainly possible um because he is basically an ultron you know clone and son yeah well i've seen the rumors about mephisto and everyone thinks that agnes is mephisto so i'm challenging you and i think it's the director of sword okay i think that dude if it if mephisto is the bad guy i think that dude's mephisto that's a great call. There's something up with that guy. That wasn't one of our questions either, but there's definitely something going on there. Wanda doesn't like him. Yeah, I like to defy expectations. <laughs> That's a good theory. Um, getting getting right into Agnes, our next question. What's up with her? I mean, that's been a question the whole time. She's Her part has played so awesomely well, mm -hmm. and she's so off-putting and so aloof, and she's so great. But then in this episode, we have that weird moment where she asks Wanda if she wants her to take it from the top which is just one of the one of my favorite moments of the whole series what was that about is she working are they working together is she knows what's going on obviously um you know in the comics uh 
that's going to be like my quote for the night. You guys are like in the comics. No. Um, but, uh, you know, in the, the comics. Source material. Exactly. Um, you know, you guys say I'm the encyclopedia of useless knowledge. Well, yeah. I say useless <laughs> knowledge. Um, but um, the, uh, you know, she had a mentor, Agatha Harkis, who um, was a witch, a magician, a uh, sorcerer. And she knew that um, Wanda had these powers to manipulate reality. Um, there's been some now Bendis took that in a completely weird direction, which some of this is based on where she recreated reality, but, and she's talking to Agnes or Agatha Harkis. And meanwhile, when they find the real Agatha Harkis, she's like a mummified remains in a closet. So, um, you know, hopefully they won't go that route, but (laughs) she potentially could be the Agatha Harkis character where she knows what's going on and she's trying to mentor Wanda and support her while saving everyone else. Or she could be Mephisto. I mean, it it's really up in the air on this. Like, that's the thing is like each episode, every answer they give, they leave you with five more questions. Right. But the Agnes Agatha connection seems intentional, mm-hmm. you know, to me. Like that that has to be who that is. But well, so- that could be a red herring. I mean, yeah. yeah. Are they working together? Are Wanda and Agnes working together to wanda's knowledge see the one thing that makes me think that it's not agatha harkis or if it is that she's not a good guy is when um vision frees his uh workmate and i'm doing it like i'm look but um (laughs) i don't know why i did that but when he does when he frees him he's like she is doing this and it hurts and it's like that's the only part is was he talking about wanda or was he talking about Agnes? Is Agnes had more power in this? Because there's also, like you said, um, even though it seems like Wanda's in control and she can do the rewind and stuff like that, she's not in control of everything. She couldn't, she's losing her control of the vision. Yep. She had no clue that Pietro was coming to the door and now she can't control her kids. Right. And there's so there are all these things. And I know this jumps out of the, the, the kind of question paradigm here, but when she bursts the bubble, literally, when, when when she finds the drone and walks out of the bubble, and you're like, oh, like <laughs> this 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 confrontation scene. That's when you're like, okay, this is her. I mean, you know, she's the one who's. I mean, she's kicked Monica out already. You know, she's turned the the beekeeper away. Yep. You know, and so now, the latest, you know, bursting of the bubble or, or infiltration leads her to a direct confrontation with everybody to 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 changing the guns to pointing at the um, sword drag i mean if she's not alone she's pretty much in control of everything she can leave the bubble if she wants to you know yeah no i no that's right and and the, but to, and also to gary's point though there's also these three or four times where she's not in control right right of a lot which leads and she also tells vision that she's not the one that's doing all this so there's a lot of interesting stuff going going to that scene that we'll go to the next question why is she talking with her accent <laughs> yeah um that was interesting to me because it's like in the tv show she's very very americanized i mean and let's face it you know we we've gone through and kind of named the tv show the, this one was heavily based on family ties from Absolutely, the opening yeah. song to everything um so she's very americanized but when she came out she had that accent and Dude, I, I think the freakiest part was when Monica came walking out and she's like, oh, 
you're still here. And I was like, oh, she's going to throw her two miles again. Cause I mean, her hand started glowing and I was like, oh man. And she, yeah, she definitely was not like the friendliest character. She's, she wasn't like the Wanda from, you know, uh, where she had that interaction with Hawkeye, where she was yeah. kind of like, you know, a deer in the headlights. She's now kind of mean. I, I may be wrong and somebody out there I'm sure will correct me, but it feels like the first time I've heard that accent since Age of Ultron. Is that accurate? Do you guys remember? Yeah, I think slightly. Um, I, I know like one of the theories online was that um, she was working with Black Widow and Black Widow being a Russian-born spy who sounds completely like Scarlett Johansson <laughs> right. um, has like, you know, probably worked with her on losing the accent. So um, and she was being trained by the Black Widow. So I know that was one of the theories online. But yeah, I, I don't, I, I mean, that's the first time, at least in this, that you heard it. Is, is, so, it, is it, the, the characterization, is, is it an allusion to that, the last time we heard her talking like that, she was a bad guy, you know, that she was one of the Avengers right. bad guys. And I now mean, she's returned to that character. Is that, was that where we're going with that, Mike? What do you think? That That's the thought. What I was trying to think of in Endgame, when Thanos sends to her, says to her, I don't even know who you are. And she says, you will. Mm -hmm. Was she, did she have that? Did she bust the accent out there? I think you're right, actually. I think she oh. did. Now that when she said you took that. everything from me, it sounded like it was in the accent. Yes. Right. Yes. So does that ring true to you? Mm -hmm. That's a, there was, she had the accent when she said that, didn't she? Yeah. So if you think about this, maybe that was the beginning of her turn back, you know, yeah. to to kind of the villain type role, even though she had a righteous cause there, you know, it was still like, hey, you know what? Now you've done it, you know, and you're gonna pay. Well, they even said in this episode, if he hadn't called the Blitz, that she'd have beat him. Thanos. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you watch that scene again, that, that's, it seems absolutely true that she was going to kill him. Because mm -hmm. um, he calls for that air raid, right, at that point. Right. Um, we covered, we talked about the children and with their aging. Again, it just seems to be something else that Wanda's not in control of. Um we talked about Norm and that scene with Vision, which was another great scene. What is that power Vision has? Gary, is that going back to the comics? Is that something? Never seen it before. No, that was completely uh, new that he could stick his uh, fingers into someone's brain and suddenly <laughs> set them free from mind control. Um, I mean, that was a weird thing, right? I mean, that yeah. wasn't just like, I mean, how did that happen? What what, what did he do? How did that work? Do Are we ever going to find out? I mean, in the comics, he's always like reaching into people and solidifying his hand and causing them extreme pain to stop, um, which is kind of freaky if you think about it, because you're like sitting there and it's like, hey, there's an owl, there's a hand in me. <laughs> right. So, um, you know, and nobody wants that when they go to the doctors. We'll stop right there. But um, it's, uh, you know, <laughs> it's kind of like one of those things where that was just weird yeah i've never seen that before and i remember watching that i'm like so what exactly did he do and now does this guy have extreme brain damage because he like yeah no i mean brooks mentioned it made him it felt it made him seem kind of like the martian manhunter like if that was you know but where where did that power come from mike what did, what was that i don't know you know it it's it's like this seeing behind um 
you know, so if everybody's under a spell, and you notice they started to use the word hex, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, for for Wanda's uh, area, the hex, which you know, we you kind of comic book fans are like, oh heck, yeah, I could get. Um, <laughs> but he seems to see beyond the mind control and see beyond you know what the ruse is, um, which I guess kind of I don't know say it makes sense, but kind of does. I don't know what to call it other than. Um, you know, being able to see into into reality differently, um, and and what makes him be able to you know take that spell off? You got me. Maybe cool. it's because James Spader played Ultron, who was Vision's dad, basically, and he used his Spader sense. Ooh, uh, I uh, you're getting so, muted for that, Skirka. What's that? <laughs> you're getting muted for that. <laughs> I um I I that was actually a joke in a Spider-Man comic from the 80s. I don't know why uh I don't know why that suddenly just popped into my head, but hey, I'll use it. Um but I, yeah, it was that that was that was a weird scene. I, I wonder if they're going to explain it or if they're just going to leave it as kind of like, you know, just a minor plot point that they never come back to. You have any ideas, Brooks? Nope. <laughs> it's a it's a it was a fun part of that episode well he may actually and also like i guess a theory could be is the vision is the main thing in that town that is kind of um other because everyone else is based on a real human that's basically been overwrit with these personalities he was a dead android essentially once the vision died that was just a computer sitting there Right. that she essentially recreated from her memories right so he could be kind of um maybe a slight foil to what she has going on there because he doesn't really belong just like monica she was able to fight past the program and remember stuff because she didn't really belong right so that's, that could be something. That's something worth keeping an eye on because that, that's one of the one consistency that as we try to figure this out, those are two consistencies. Right. That, you don't belong. That yeah. was big. Yep. Um, going, but one of the other characters who, who was featured really early on in this series who we've kind of gotten away from, but I feel like is coming back with a steel chair maybe is Dottie. <laughs> Mm-hmm. what you know i maybe i make too much of it but there was the line that nothing happens in this town without Dottie's approval or something to that effect that they said what's going right. on with Dottie? is Dottie coming back am i reading too much into this she could be i mean you know she could be the big bad we, we may not know um it's interesting because she's played by the same actress uh emma caulfield who played a demon in buffy the vampire slayer um I know that because I was a Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel fan. I, I like I like Joss Whedon's shows. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's not the most popular guy nowadays, but his uh, original shows prior to all his controversy was really good. Um, and she played a demon. So if I would pick anyone to play a demon in a TV show, she already did a good job of it. Um, so I think you're right. I, I think there's more to her then we know and plus she's a step for wife they're always demonic (laughs) (laughs) i I think if you look right now i mean we're at the whim of the the director and the show they're they're shining light over here for a while and we watch that they shine that they move over here 
but I don't think they're introducing anybody that doesn't matter, you know, especially somebody like Dottie. You you mm -hmm. feel like she seemed to know that I mean she bled. You, that was one of the only colors that was was happening at that point. You don't I feel like there's there's she has a reason to be there that's beyond you know what we know yet. Yep. Yeah, I'm very curious to see when that and when that comes back, it's gonna be interesting. And then the last question we have, kind of the most heartfelt, heart-wrenching one. Did Agnes kill the dog? Or did Ooh. the dog really die from flower poison? Ooh, yeah, because that would be uh she, I mean, that was kind of weird that you know, she pops out of the bush with this dead dog. Um, that's kind of like you know, horror movie stuff or stalker right? stuff. Yeah. Like Oh, that's kind of like Glenn Close from Fatal Attraction. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Here's your dog just boiled in the pot. Um, but you know, so it's kind of like I, I yeah, that was just weird. That's gonna definitely take some coming back to. And I'm going with yeah. I think she killed it. Rooks. I don't know. What do you think? Do you think she killed it? Yes yeah. or no? Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. I think I think part of this is her kind of testing Wanda to see maybe she's trying to find out whether Wanda can bring things back to life. Maybe she thinks Wanda's going too far with her perfect little family. It's hard to tell, but there, I, I don't think the dog ate, uh, what was it? Azalea bushes. And that's how she died. But, or she could have been tempting her. Yeah. Um, you know, if it was, if she didn't make a deal with Mephisto to bring the vision back, she could have been tempting her to do it again to see if she'd like you said to do it again or if she is Mephisto mm -hmm. tempting her to make the same deal and then suddenly now he's going to dangle Pietro in front of her. Good call. Yeah, there's a lot of weird glances and acknowledgments during that scene that we didn't know. Mm -hmm. I feel like Wanda kind of was looking and doing things and there's a lot of stuff there that we didn't understand that was going on in the background there. there a lot a lot of subtext and context there that we didn't know. That's it. That wraps up our questions. So there's, you know, like, Go ahead, Mark. Like Gary, for every one that we ask, there's going to be five new ones next week. So expect 75 questions next week. I better put Brooks to work. <laughs> <laughs> so, so time-wise, we need to wrap up our WandaVision discussion. But I will say, you know, let's just play one thing you think we'll, we'll learn or, or see in this week's episode. And so I guess I'll start. I mean, to me, um, if, if I have to play with Pietro a little bit, I think he's going to be a wild card in the show. I think she's not going to be able to control him. She didn't. She seemed surprised that he was there, and so he may be that um, that kind of Jason Bateman or or uh, <laughs> like somebody who's you know who's not um, you know at her beck and call. You know the the kind of like Kramer. Um, yeah. character who's just you know kind of out there yeah what did gary what about you what do you what's one thing you think is going to come out next in this next episode i i i don't know if it's a prediction or something i want to see but it would be really interesting if you see like every time you see a pietro they alternate between the two different actors Ooh. that played him i like that like twisting with uh, reality. I don't know if they do that, but um, I think one of the things you'll definitely see is uh, more of the vision questioning because they didn't put, they didn't close the box on that by the end of the episode. He still right. knew that this wasn't right by the end. 
I, yeah, I think we're, we're going to get one. I think we're going to get at least one ma- more major piece this week. I, I feel like PH, even though I don't think it's a red herring, I, I agree with you guys that it's the beginning of the multiverse somehow. I think he's, I think we're going to, he's going to be really underscored. I, I don't think we're going to see him long in this series. I get a funny feeling he's going to kind of come and go. And then we're going to get into the, the deeper, you know, the, the deeper parts of the, these other questions that we still have, but yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. We know that it feels like every episode is just totally trumping the one before it and just moving about a hundred miles an hour now towards the end. It's going to be really exciting. Absolutely. So, you know, to stick with the MCU theme, um, yesterday was Super Bowl Sunday where they unveiled lots of uh, different commercials and things. And, um, you know, whether you were a Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes fan, you still got to see the Falcon and Winter Soldier trailer, um, you know, which probably left more questions in the Super Bowl. Um, and maybe, you know, from, from listening to some people, people more maybe more excited about Falcon and Winter Soldier than they were yesterday's Super Bowl. But, yeah, I was. Um, so, yeah, we've we've got, um, you know, we've got Sam, we've got Bucky, we've got all kinds of stuff going on. Um, so, Gary, your, you know, just overall reaction to the, the trailer? I can't wait. Um, I think I'm more excited about that than WandaVision. I mean, I'm enjoying WandaVision. It's really good. But I, I just like those two characters. I like the way they've interacted in the movies so far, and they seem to be playing that up. It almost seems like it's like I'm watching Danny Glover and uh, Mel Gibson and Lethal Weapon again when I watch those two. Totally. And, um, you know, just like reading interviews with them, they really they they have that interaction. Like they're really good friends, but they Absolutely. take the piss out of one another all the time. Um, so I'm really kind of looking forward to seeing that interaction in this show. Yeah, I think for everybody who's, I don't want to say turned off, but I think there's a lot of people who think WandaVision's maybe too weird for them or a little off kilter or a little artsy. I think this is going to give them exactly what they were hoping for in a Marvel show. Right. Action, explosions, fighting scenes, you know, bad guys like Baron Zemo, America versus Nazis. I mean, we're getting, they're going to get everything that they kind of wanted right. in WandaVision or in a Marvel show to follow up the Mandalorian. And they're going to get that in this. I think it's going to be really exciting and it's going to be a lot more fun. I'm curious where, I mean, I feel like there's, there's different threads now. We're starting to weave different timelines of the MCU where I feel like there's this, you know, magic thread that WandaVision is parlaying that's going to go through Spider-Man and into Doctor Strange. Brooks, where do you think the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, where's that story going to go in the movies coming up? I don't know. I mean, it feels like maybe Black Widow or Shang-Chi yeah. or I mean, maybe that there's going to be that. I don't know about Shang-Chi. I feel like that's going to have more to do with the Ten Rings, but I feel like Black Widow might definitely tie into this. Yeah, I feel like there's gonna be this kind of like Tom Clancy type thing that that, that, that you know this is gonna flesh out a little bit. The spies, the and the war here, you know, and Sam and Bucky were you know both loved Steve Rogers. Both were like you know the right hand man of 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 Captain America, and so you know it's almost like a sibling rivalry, you know, of, mm-hmm. of in that respect, um, and, and you know. They even, I think there was, it was in Civil War where Sam, Sam says to Bucky, I hate you. 
you know, <laughs> as they're walking through the hangar, you know, it, it was just great. Um, and there's, um, yeah, it's just the, the whole way they have this, this, um, it, chemistry, as you say, in the, in the trailer, it just looks like it's going to be fun. Um, I and, think, um, I, I think you're going to see some political stuff too. Um, like the Nazism, but like the watchdogs feature heavy and um you know we were talking before this they they are based on a racist militia group in the marvel comics and you know the fact that um you know sam's black i think that's going to play some parts into this as well um and a lot of stories in the marvel comics with sam wilson have you know really faced his struggles of being a black man uh you know fighting these type of battle so i think you're gonna see i think it's gonna be a huge political spy action it's gonna be like a jason Bourne movie with all these political undertones and some superhero parts thrown in plus you saw both of them interact with the shield yeah in the trailer not just I feel like they were trying to tease us right the, the, the like which one is gonna pick up and be captain america right right yeah and everyone like all the guesses and all the everything they've released so far leans towards sam so and why would they release all that if they're gonna go in that direction so i you know i think there's gonna be a twist by the end but i think that you also have this uh, and we've talked about the u.s agent idea and, they, and you see this halftime show right and somebody's running out dressed like captain america mm -hmm. not exactly like captain america but close and with the shield to go make an appearance right so um and i don't think it's either sam or bucky and and i think that was that i think you're you're right gary like this this you know captain america passed the shield off to sam but the government the whole idea of the government says it's not his to give right you know right. so we want this guy and and i think the the race issue is going to be is going to be part of that you know i'm excited because i'm i'm in the the camp of people who believe that the winter soldier is the, the best mcu movie i love that movie yeah um and this feels like kind of the logical you know next step in that i mean you know the, obviously the major plot points happen in endgame but this feels like the sequel to that, which was my favorite thing. I think, it, are we confirmed to have Crossbones back in this series? Is that accurate I in a future? I didn't see him. I know uh, the character that plays Flag Smasher is a red-haired um, female. I think that was definitely her. Um, and it's kind of weird because it also ties into a bunch of stories where um, Red Skull's daughter, Sin, is red-haired female. And okay. plays a lot into these stories with the winter soldier and all and um if they do it right and they leave things open and don't like just kill everybody um zemo is a great villain to keep around and he ties into the thunderbolts later um the u.s agent john walker is when he's done right he's this great character because he he wants desperately to be captain america but he is so flawed he's more like the punisher so it's like this character that kind of walks that fine line. He, he, like, I would put him more on there. Like if you were going to put a team of like substitute Avengers together, it should be like him and Venom. And, you know, it's just like, you know, the, 
he wants to be the hero. He really wants to be Captain America, but then he gets ticked off in the middle of battle and wipes out the entire <laughs> advancing army. So right, and he's just a good character. So I'm hoping that these some of these characters they're introducing stick around for more stories. The show yeah, looks like really it. exciting for sure. And Mark, I like your you know, your way of thinking about it. And you know we. The MCU, we know we've got these puzzle pieces and you've got the, the magic world and the multiverse going on with WandaVision and you've got this, you know, spy and espionage and action film going on over here. And then this space kind of fantasy thing, right? With Guardians of the Galaxy. Right. Yeah. Thor. Thor. So how do they piece together? How do we start to, and who's the, we know Kang is going to pop up in the next Ant-Man movie. Yeah, then you got the quantum realm. Right. Yeah. So yeah, the time variance authority and one of the movies coming up, which Loki. is still, yeah. yeah. So that has to do with time. So right, we don't know exactly how it's all going to fit together. That's part of the fun of watching Marvel movies. It's you know when Ant Man comes out, you don't really know how it's or Captain Marvel, and you go, oh, it's the end scene. That you're like, ah, right. you know. My my vote for the big bad in the next phase is um, Frogman. Frogman. <laughs> Yeah. The guy with the springs on the bottom of the flipper. <laughs> and he can fight the, the Thor frog, right? Exactly. In the battle for the universe at the end. Yeah, Five frogs. There's, there's actually going to be three Thors in the next Thor movie. Is that true? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> nice so because you guys mentioned the Thor frog. You got me. <laughs> the Pet Avengers. Well, I have, you know, and, and um, so we're talking about Falcon and Winter Soldier coming out the same time, basically the same time that the Snyder Cut comes out. Um, and and so um, we will not be lacking for for content as WandaVision ends. We'll have, you know, we'll be just rolling into our next things, um, which is really cool. Yeah. Apparently there's two weeks off in between, which will give us our chance to do Cobra Kai. <laughs> right. Nice. Yeah. Zach's really, uh, but you know, if he was here, he could speak for himself, but he decided to skip out on us. <laughs> right. Um, not that we'll make fun of him too much, but Zach, you suck. Um, but yeah. no, yeah. It, Zach will be happy because he's been desperately wanting to do a Cobra Kai episode. And we will have Cobra Kai lead off an episode where it will be the main discussion piece. So Cobra Kai fans, you know, stay ready. <laughs> And it will start off with of Jeff Sanders versus Zach in a karate match. Who's going to do the crane kick? My vote's Sanders. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, I, I actually, uh, it, it would be fun to actually uh, do a watch party for um, Snyder Cut. Like, you know, yeah. sitting in the same room, six feet apart, of course, but, you know, sitting there watching the Snyder Cut. That would dressed as your favorite superhero yes yes for sure <laughs> or villain i'll have so, to see if i'll have to see if i can get back in my harley quinn costume <laughs> we won't we won't broadcast that live yeah i was gonna say get that picture out of your head now <laughs> <laughs> um, but so, um good that'll Mike. move us out of the mcu and into um you know another love of ours was you know, source material here, comic books. Um, so we've got anything that was big last week that that everybody really loved or something that's coming out this coming week that people are excited about. Um, 
And I know I mentioned, you know, when we were just talking offline, I, not, nothing I really loved last week. I know Gary's re reading some future state stuff, which is good, which, you know, there's some good stuff there. Yeah, John Ridley's Batman. Um, you guys are going to get tired of hearing me say the name John Ridley, probably. <laughs> but um, I've been really kind of just fascinated with it. His writing's so well done. Um, and it just kind of reminds me of the old Batman stories from right after the crisis, where it's like you didn't know what was really going to happen. And he's introduced a new Batman that the only tie to Batman is that he it's Lucius Fox's son. And it's not the son that we've already met um, in the comics. It's this, you know, black sheep son who the rest of the family really strongly dislikes. And, you know, he's the guy that's here. So um, every other Batman substitute has been trained by Batman. You know, Nightwing took over for a while, trained by Batman. Um, uh, Gene Paul Valley, Azrael took over. He was trained by this weird cult thing, but then he was trained by Batman. <laughs> um, so, um, okay. So, and just as a side note, my friend John that I grew up with said, who does he... Who does he write to get a guest spot? Inquiring minds. So we're going to have to invite John to join us on an episode, uh, maybe next week's. Awesome. Um, yeah. But, uh, do it. Or we'll just get his hopes up and just never do it. Sorry, John. <laughs> no, I will. <laughs> that, that's, uh, so that's one of the things that uh, we've talked about a few times is having new members join. So if you're watching us, all three of you, and um, you want to join us, like we've already asked somebody who didn't join us tonight, um, you know, Go ahead and send us a message. But anyway, back to... Uh, but you have uh, to answer five comic book questions from Gary. Exactly. <laughs> None of us can, um, but we're grandfathered in. But the... Uh, so no, John Ridley's Batman is really good. On a different note, um, it was a book I was excited about last week, and it was uh, big news last week. And for the wrong reasons, the, uh, the Hulk issue, um, you know, there was some unfortunate... Um, artwork in it that the artist has come forward and said was a mistake but um so they're reissuing it minus that and of course like when things like that happen um the original copies become collector's items and yeah i've always thought like you know i, I i'm a collector there are certain issues like i'll get and always for issues like that i've been like it's not worth it having that as a collector's issue so no. just not to go into it too much there was some hate speech but it was just big in the news last week and it and it's unfortunate because you know comics are always the place where um people who felt hated could go to kind of escape that type of stuff and it's happened uh it's happened a few times in some marvel books in the past few years which is uh you know they've kind of put out a notice that they'll be their editors will definitely be more diligent and it's always been um lately it's been in backgrounds of the art so um but it's hard to believe it was an accident i'll say that yeah it, it looked pretty i mean you know there was part of it that he said was an accident and then another huge part of it he was like i don't have any excuse for that which is pretty damning for the other part that you know they said was an accident because it's like well, if you put that part and you don't have an excuse, then that really, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, and you have to wonder, I mean, we've talked about this. Marvel and DC put out so many books every week that that probably editorial is not doing the job of, of looking for things like that that might set somebody off that they could. They're just kind of fast-tracking stuff through. 
and then apologizing if something comes up. Right. Why wouldn't, I mean, in, in, in editorials defense, like I do a lot of editing for my job and you don't expect to see something like that. Like, no, I don't, I don't even know if I would have noticed it to be honest with you, but yeah, I didn't notice it until it was reported. And I was like, I went back and looked and I was like, Oh, Oh, (laughs) yeah. So, um, yeah, so the, yeah, I just thought that that was kind of interesting that you still see stuff like that pop up every once in a while. So that's um that's obviously caught by fans who are yeah. paying more attention than we are. <laughs> <laughs> so I always thought that I had too much time. <laughs> no, it's um it's good that it was caught because disseminating stuff like that is you know. <sighs> if you want to get on a soapbox, get on one, but don't do it in comics. Right. Well, I think that's you you pointed out perfectly, Gary. I mean, comic books have always been a place for the marginalized and the the pushed aside to to have a moment, you know, to feel seen, to feel heard. Um, you know, geek culture is geek culture, you know. Um so yeah, it's it's unfortunate. Hopefully the conversation happens and and which it has, not here, but you know, online. Twitter was on fire last week with it all, um, you know, and, and people rally around something. Yes. So I, I know um, in, in terms of what's coming out this week, we've got uh, Eternals 2, Eternal, the, in, Eternals number two, which is one of those Marvel books that uh, is going to, it ties to a movie. We don't know that plot wise it ties to it, but we know Eternals is coming out. So Marvel has given Kieran Gillen, one of their, you know, a great writer, Eternals to to run for us. Um, so that's coming out. We know Sword number three, um, which obviously Sword is a part of um, the story with WandaVision that's going on right now. So that's connected. Um, I know we we talk frequently about uh chip zadarsky's daredevil run and so number 27 is coming out he's well into that run um and tom king's rorschach number five rorschach from walk uh watchman um and then uh doomsday clock and and lots of stuff um it's a it's a black label book where tom king seems to do a lot of his work these days a little bit you know in the Head heavier, um, darker stuff. Other stuff uh, people are looking for. I know Gary has been reading. Um, I can't think of his first name. Uh, Venditti, uh, who's who writes Hawkman and, and was the, yeah. Um, I think this is the final arc of the the last arc of his Hawkman series is coming out in trade this week which is an underrated book for sure. It's a great book. Brooks, what are you excited about? Um, Spider-Man. Spider-Man? Yeah. Brooks has really been digging the Nick, the Nick Spencer uh, Spider-Man run. Nice. Yeah, that's one he's been uh, been begging to get. What is it, number 59 comes out this week? Yeah. I know that that's one that's popular at our house. Good so um, we have uh, Future State Dark Detective, which is another Future State Batman book. Um, 
right now, just uh, having breezed through the first half of the list, though, the book I see that I'm most excited about is Birthright number 46. Um, I've talked about Birthright in a previous episode where we said, you know, what book would kind of make a good movie? And um, Birthright is just, oh, man, it's been incredible. It's uh, it's essentially the um, it's a kid who goes missing. So missing kids story, you know, those are always fun uh, for parents. But no, um, he goes missing and, you know, it shows how it devastated his family. And then suddenly years later, this full grown Conan appears from a medieval universe and it's him. <laughs> So he, it's kind of like plays on that whole, all right, you know, some of us are fans of the Conan series. Um, we've talked about, and one of the long lost episodes that we'll probably never, ever, ever see uh, put out. We talked about the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon from when we were kids. Um, and, you know, it's, uh, so it kind of plays on all of that. And it's such a good story. I mean, it's, it's really, really a good series. So, and it's winding down. So they're ticking closer and closer. Um, you also have uh, Rick Remender's low. One of the final issues coming out, if not the final issue, I'm not it sure. Might be. So yeah, it's, it's some books, independent books to look forward to. We talk a lot about Marvel and DC and um, I feel like sometimes we don't touch on the, uh, the independent books as much as uh we could um image it's not one that i have too much information on but apparently they're starting a new um superhero universe and radiant black is coming out this week um of course a thousand red sonya books because you can never have too many of those <laughs> every week um, yeah <laughs> um so yeah i mean there, there's some interesting stuff coming out this week um you know, if Tim were here, he'd probably be excited about the Star Wars Darth Vader, but it is Brooke's birthday. So happy birthday, Brooke. Um, and we have Mike already said, uh, you know, sword. I'm pretty excited about that series. I do like uh, King and Black Thunderbolts. The Their sidebar with Thunderbolts um, is one that I've that just based on issue number one. Uh, I'm all in for and and. Uh, I'll, I'll let you know how it is next week. All right. So moving on into our uh, news and rumors. A few interesting things um, floating around the cyber world. Um, one, uh, Gary just mentioned Dungeons and Dragons. Um, there's a Dungeons and Dragons movie in the works. Uh, John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein, who were known for directing Spider-Man Homecoming together, are the, the directors. Um, they know that Michelle Rodriguez and Justice Smith have joined the cast and that they're in talks with Chris Pine, who a lot of people will know from either Star Trek reboots or Wonder Woman uh, movies. Um, you know, the least known of the Chris's when you put him with uh, Chris Evans and um, Hemsworth and Chris Pratt, Chris, Chris Pratt. Um, but Chris Pine holds his own. I, I'd go to I'd go check out the Dungeons and Dragons movie. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and it's kind of funny. You brought up John Francis Daly. Um, he is. Uh, so. Just recently, they released um, Freaks and Geeks on Hulu, 
And if you've ever uh, watched that show, it's a really incredible show um, that describes probably close to our age group, uh, you know, kids in the 80s. And John Francis Daly is that geeky kid who likes like, you know, you know, he's basically Adam Goldberg, but in a more serious role. And uh, he, he brings up the geeks part and, um, you know, he, he's grown up and played on Bones and is now a director. And it's interesting because one of his co-stars is the teacher in the Spider-Man films, um, huh. you know, and um, a lot of the actors from Freaks and Geeks, it's like, I, I guess I didn't realize it until I started watching again, but it was the first role for Seth Rogen, uh, first big role for James Franco, Linda Cardellini, Busy Phillips. Uh, Jason Segal, all these, and it was created wow. by Judd Apatow, who's gone on and done all these great comedy movies and all. So it's um, it's really kind of neat when you see people who came up in a role like that, and now they're directing. Basically, you know, Peter Parker would have been one of the geeks in the show, right. and geeks. So it's kind of neat when you see how that all ties in and ties together. Um, so it was kind of neat that you brought that up on a little side note there. So that's very uh, cool. I, I've heard of the show Freaks and Geeks, but never watched it. So I've got Hulu though, so it gives me something to watch now. Yeah, 18 episodes. It was canceled. Um, in fact, I don't even think they released them all on network TV originally. Um, it was canceled. And um, it was kind of funny. Uh, we got so into it, I watched them at the Paley Fest. It was a reunion of them, and uh Jason Seagal was joking because he's like, when you film the finale not even halfway through the season that doesn't install you with a lot of uh <laughs> faith and uh but then he also went on to talk about like all these guys most of these guys have made it big and he said that it was basically judd throughout the years took care of them and if you think about it like all their big roles came from his movies and even his further tv shows he took them all with him like he uh Amy Poehler from Saturday Night Live. She was in his second TV series, Undeclared, that had Jay Bruchel, Seth Rogen again, Jason Segal. So a lot of the same actors he took with him. And then like, and then, you know, for Seth Rogen, he, that was his first big break was Knocked Up, which was an Apatow movie, yeah. uh, the 40 year old version with um, Seth Rogen Correct. and Steve Carell. So he, he, a lot of these people he did, he took with him all along the way and like and you know they kind of talked about it and he didn't come out and say it but Seagal said it for him um he was worried when they hired these kids that he was ruining their career <laughs> they even there was he and the other creator they even talked about it before the show premiered it's like are we ruining these kids lives so Jason <laughs> Seagal said that he felt his whole entire career that they felt responsible for them and so they kept them employed all this time so it's kind of neat. A little big yeah. side note. Didn't mean to take that type of term, but it's just fresh in my head. Yeah, when it comes cool. to geek culture, very that's cool. like a top show. I mean, Linda Cardellini, the star, she went on to play Velma and Scooby-Doo and, you know, much other things. And she plays Hawkeye's wife in the Marvel movies. So it's kind of weird how all like a lot of those roles, James Franco played, uh, you know, Harry Osborn in mm -hmm. the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies and potentially could return. Yeah. Um, with the whole Spider-Verse stuff. So it's like really kind of interesting how all this ties together from, well, geeks. <laughs> so one other thing that um, that I kind of, I came across today um, was a rumor, but it was, you know, it's been reported. We don't know that it's going to happen, but 
that Keanu Reeves has been approached to join the Spider-Verse as Craven the Hunter. That would be so um, awesome. Just an absolute, you know, fantastic villain for Spider-Man, Black Panther. Who I mean, he's been all over. Um, and, and that part of that deal would be a movie simply called Craven. Um, that would be a, it, its own film. Um, we've talked about Keanu Reeves coming into the MCU in, in different ways. That'd be a pretty fun one. What do you think, Mangles? I, I would prefer him finding something bigger. And I, 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 like, I like the idea of him. I mean, I, I mean, it's great casting. It would be great. I mean, uh, it's perfect. But unless they're going to make him kind of a continuing character, I'd hate. I'd love to see Keanu Reeves be somebody who kind of moves into the MCU and does across a number of different movies. And, I, and they could do that with Craven, but I'd rather, I'd probably rather see it be somebody else, maybe one of the X-Men. Well, I mean, it would be, it depends because Craven, when written well, is a great character. Um, you know, Craven's last hunt, he's scary. In most recent stories, he's like, dude, in some of the most recent stories, he's on par with Wolverine being able to fight him. Because, um, you know, it's, so it's kind of like if they keep him around and they do it right, it could be really cool. Plus, Marvel's had a way of taking those like characters who, you never would have guessed would make it big in a movie and suddenly they do like i mean guardians of the galaxy is the one we always talk yeah, about most yeah. of those characters were like one-offs that no one really was like oh you know if you didn't read the guardians comics you you would never have known who they are not everyone knows who Groot is or rocket is right um so you know they, they they're taking these uh these characters that you wouldn't expect to make it big and they're finding a way to do it. I mean, like who, who before the Avengers movies could tell you who Wanda or the vision were now it's like the topic every week, you know? So it's like, they're taking these characters and making them huge. And so you throw Keanu in a role like that, dude, I'm going to watch Craven. I mean, and if he is Craven, I'm all in it. Well, the whole reason they would do a Craven movie, you'd then have to have him come out and battle Spider-Man. I yeah. mean, you know, you'd set up this backstory and have him be, you know, the the, the bad in a in a Spider-Man movie, which could be a lot of fun. Right, and they um Bendis, he had an interesting twist on Craven that they've played up a few times. Um, you know, Craven originally was just this hunter that they called in to uh, take down Spider-Man, so he took that, kept it but he made him a reality TV hunter, like almost like the crocodile hunter type of character. And that was part of, it was his reality TV show. He was coming in to hunt Spider-Man. So he still turned into a joke and got his butt handed to him um, with that just patented, you know, Bendis speaking as Peter Parker sarcasm. Um, but if you take that and combine it with the dangerous Craven that Nick Spencer has written that they wrote in, um, you know, Craven's Last Hunt and stuff like that. That that could be a really good storyline. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'm gonna write it now. I'm gonna turn it in. <laughs> <and write it. laughs> but um, no, so it, it's kind of neat. And just as another side note, if you ever like Brian Michael Bendis, I wish he would come back and write the adult Peter Parker every once in a while because he did great for um, the ultimate Peter Parker, but in the first Spider-Man series that had both Miles and Peter before they shared were on the same earth, 
there's a scene where Spider-Man's like stopping this getaway car and he comes swinging into the car and he's like, Indiana Jones and kicks the one guy out. And then he's sitting there in the driver's seat and he's like looking at the guy and he's acting like he's driving. He's like, I know what you're thinking. How cool for you. You're sitting here with a celebrity. And it's just like the sarcasm that spills out of him. Or he has another scene where the Kingpin is in jail and young Peter Parker and ultimate Spider-Man sitting there and he's like telling them fat jokes. And of course the Kingpin gets mad and goes to rush him. He's like, stop, stop, stop interrupting me. You're so fat that when you get cut, marshmallow comes out. And, you know, so it's like, <laughs> so it, it, if there's anyone that could ever write like some good sarcastic script work for Spider-Man, they need to get Bendis in there. Nice. Anyway, I digress what we were talking about. Oh no. I, um, and we're, we're just about the point where we don't try to keep people more than an hour. So we'll wrap it up. Mark, you, you did come across the celebrity death today. Yeah. Christopher Plummer, uh, you know, brilliant actor who was into his nineties. I think he was 91 played Sherlock Holmes. Our, our audience might know him from playing Sherlock Holmes or maybe from one of the Star Trek movies, but, uh, rest in peace. You know, great actor. You can't say gone too soon. 91's a hell of a run, but, uh, we'll be sorely missed. And there's certainly names, you know, whether it, it seems like every week there's like a kick in the gut with some sort of, um, you know, somebody who you looked up to or whose work you, you know, always loved or, yeah. But um, the, the, the known that we have right now is we've got a few more episodes of WandaVision coming up. So we'll have something to, to talk about next week. Um, yeah, and maybe even some special guest stars uh, will, will be able to join us. So I think that's a wrap for us this evening with our uh, Monday revelations. Tune back in next week for WandaVision and lots more pop culture happenings. Take it easy. Thanks. Bye, everybody.